Good morning. Uh, scripture passage for today is from Matthew chapter 5, from verse 43 to verse 48. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the, on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect, as your Heavenly Father is perfect. That is the word of the Lord for us today. You may be seated. Listening is actively engaging, taking the time to hear and being sensitive. Even if you can't feel what they're feeling, it's not actually about me at all. It's about me understanding someone else. And that can be hard in a self-centered, self-focused, self-driven world. People aren't ready to listen to you until you can listen to them. If I am meeting with someone who doesn't share my faith, who I don't get and I don't understand. My game plan is solely listening. That is my game plan. Because what I am doing is, I am getting to a place of understanding of what's important to them. What are they looking for? What are the questions they're asking? What is the search that they're on? And what happens there is, because you've listened, and they know you've listened, and you've understood their story, there's a clear door that emerges over time of this is what's important to them, and this is how Jesus would want to speak to that. And I think as you pray, listen, and study, those things come out. I grew up in Hong Kong and I moved to Iowa after spending two years in California and that was my third year of college and when I was in California it was a very lonely time because I didn't have any friends that I could connect with and so it was, it was hard and by the end of those two years I just wanted to leave. I had like a second cousin that went to Iowa State and he was talking up Iowans saying that they're really friendly and so I just kind of applied as a um, last resort. I got here not knowing anyone and one of my roommates uh, went to crew and she would come to Grace for services and so she invited me and I kept going even though I didn't believe in God. I actually pretty much rejected God at that point. Uh, I just didn't think that there was a God. But still, I would keep going to Grace and keep going to Crew because I found people that cared about talking to me. They would look me in the eyes and have a conversation. They, they wanted to be a friend. We met as part of like this Crew house sort of group culture. And we did Campus Crusade things a lot. We'd study together. We weren't in the same track by any stretch, but uh, I always was up for studying because people could, I was always studying, so come and study with me and eventually have conversations and food over that. I was super curious because she was from Hong Kong and she'd lived in California, and so I just wanted to get to know her and her story because I didn't realize when I first met her that she wasn't a believer. God really used that first semester of me being here to draw me closer to Him. Uh, eventually my hard heart became soft and I started asking questions 
and then I met Chelsea through my now husband and one night I just texted her, it was a Friday night, and she came to see me at Hillcrest and we started talking. She asked me question after question after question of like, how does this work? Like, what does God say about this? How do we hold this position? It wasn't anything super special, it was just answering the questions that I've considered myself. And I said, do you understand? Like, do you have any more questions? And she eventually said no. And I said, so what do you want to do about it? I had three hours worth of questions. And by the end of the conversation, I just felt like I was supposed to accept Jesus. And so I did. That was when she prayed a prayer because she really wanted to pray and speak to God and say, this is what I believe. I understand the things that I needed to understand that have held me back. And I'm ready to trust you. Immediately afterwards, Chelsea texted my roommate that I have accepted Christ and I remember we had a long hallway and I remember seeing Emma, my roommate, and the other friends running to me because they were just so excited about me um, accepting Jesus. There was just so much rejoicing because it was so exciting that all of this had come together and we got to be witnesses. I see her and I remember all of the faithfulness that God had many years and his working and his weaving and like we're just completely oblivious to what God's doing and if we say yes then we get to be a part of it. One year after it was like a one year anniversary of me accepting Christ I remember my roommates throwing a party to celebrate a year of being a believer. All you moms um, thank you for your faithful service. Uh, today, uh, as you just saw in the, in the video, the theme is, is listening. Last week we looked at, at the beginning. It starts with prayer. If we are going to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbors as ourselves, that's not a natural disposition. It begins with prayer. But it, it also requires listening, listening at a heart level. Listening in a vertical sense to what the Lord has to say to us, but also learning to listen to Listen to, to one another. Uh, this topic, like last week, is, is exhaustive. Communication, listening, um, and one sermon really doesn't do it justice. So given the fact that it's an enormous concept, the idea of listening, and the fact that it's not a strength of mine, this, I'm operating from a position of weakness right now. Uh, I run my mouth for a living. I like the sound of my own voice. Shocker for many of you. Uh, and I, I talk a lot. I talk a lot, and sometimes I don't listen very well. Uh, I aspire to grow in that, and uh, so that's uh, what we're going to look at this morning. What does it look like to listen well? What does it look like to listen well? Listening so that we can become people who love. The, the text that you saw, you've heard that it was said, you shall love the Lord, your na- or love your neighbor as yourself, and hate your enemy, but I say to you, Uh, to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What you see in the Sermon on the Mount, there are six different times Jesus repeats this phrase. You've heard it was said, but I say. You've heard it was said, but I say. This is just one of those six. One of those six. So clearly, you can be a person of the Word who reads the Bible and studies it, and even like myself, you can teach it, and you can hear, quote-unquote, what the Bible says. Or you can be with a person and hear audibly with your ears what they say. But that's not what we're talking about. 
Um, we have uh, we have people in our church from the deaf community who don't have the ability to process audible sound, but they can hear nonetheless. In other words, they can you, they communicate, and they're communicated too. We can communicate to one another through write, writing or through speaking, but what we're talking about applies to everyone, regardless of your ability to process information with your ears. We're talking about listening to understand. Clearly, from this text, we can see that it's possible to process information, to receive information, and fail to understand the heart of God, or fail to understand the heart of the person you're communicating with. So it doesn't have to be in a vertical sense. It doesn't have to be God. It could be a spouse. could be a child. could be any number of people. So what we're going to look at is, first of all, how listening works, There's three components. There's the hearing, that is what is being said, whether it's through uh, spoken language or or reading. The second is understanding. Well, what's meant by what is said? And the third is responding, a demonstration of understanding. And the second part, the second part of the message we'll close with is what do I need? What do you need to hear most? What do you need to hear most? What do we need to hear most from the Lord? Because that unlocks that unlocks the ability to actually give someone our full attention and listen and listen. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and let's ask him to to assist us. Because if you're like me, listening is not a natural skill. You need supernatural empowerment. Father, we come to you and we ask that you would do a work in our hearts. Lord, use your word. Um, use, uh, Use this time to open our ears so that we might perceive, that we might understand, that we might hear you hear what you have to speak to us, Lord. Uh, We pray that you would accomplish this for the glory of your son. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So it begins with hearing what is said. I want you to imagine being in a counseling situation. You're not being counseled. You're a fly on the wall and you're listening. And the counselor says to the husband, "Um, do you love your wife? And he says, of course, I love my wife. Then repeat to me and to her what she just said. I don't know. I wasn't listening. Okay, there's, there's laughter right now. A few of you laughed and a few of you are, that's not funny at all because that's your reality. That's your reality. You're, you're in a relationship where you often get into conflict over the fact that you were accused of not listening or you, you accuse someone of saying, you don't hear me, you're not listening to me. So uh, that, that silly illustration, if you will, it, it just... The first point is, in order to hear, in order to hear, it begins, it starts with, with hearing. It starts with, it starts with hearing. Now, that requires two things. It requires that you, you give someone your attention. You have to give them your time and attention. If you can't give them your attention, if you can't give them your time, you can't hear what they have to say, whether it's the Lord who wants to speak to you, uh, or whether it's someone very close to you that wants to speak to you. Uh, on Mother's Day, as we honor the moms, if you are a mother of small children, especially if you have a number of children, you are constantly, constantly giving your time and your attention and listening to your children. Mommy, watch me do this. Mommy, watch me do that. Mommy, watch me do this. Mommy, watch me do that. And some of you are asleep and dead on your feet, and you're still giving your undivided time and attention. And what does that demonstrate to your children? Love. Love. You cannot love your kids. 
You cannot love your kids. You can't love your spouse. You can't love your neighbor. You can't love your coworkers. You certainly can't love the Lord your God if we don't give them our attention, which includes, includes our time. As I said, this is not a strength for me, the whole listening thing. Uh, a couple of years ago, we moved into uh, where we live on the south side of Iowa City, and, and I was unpacking boxes. I was in the driveway, and I'm taking stuff, and I'm putting it in the garage. And there's a lot of little kids in our neighborhood, and this little guy, he's probably three, and he had no shoes on, just, just a pair of shorts. And he's on one of the, I think they're called striders. They're bikes with no pedals. And he's standing in my driveway, astride his bike, just looking at me, just watching me work. And I'm, you know, way, I'm polite, Iowa nice, right? Hey, what's up? You know, I'm, I don't care about you or anything that's going on in your life, but I'm going to be nice to you. Hello, how are you? So I'm going about my business, and, and he's like, what you doing? I, we just moved in. Uh, we bought this house, and I'm unpacking boxes. What are you doing? Nothing. So, and he's, and he's, he's talking. He's talking, and I'm listening in quotations. Um, and so eventually I'm like, well, see you later. And he says, he got this furrowed brow look on his face. He just kind of looks at me. He goes, I'm not done talking. <laughs> he totally called me out on the Iowa nice thing. He obviously doesn't understand the cultural value of pretending like you're listening, but not really listening. He actually expected me to engage him. He actually expected me to give him his time, give me my time and give him my attention, which I was not willing to do. And so I stopped, that actually shocked me and I laughed. It was very funny and I got called out and I felt mildly rebuked. And so I had a conversation with my neighbor and then he scooted off and I went about my business. It's, it's not natural. It's not natural if you got stuff to do. If you got stuff to do, to put what that is aside and give someone your time and attention. A test, a test of whether or not you are the beginning, the entry level, the entry level of whether you're hearing someone and, and, and processing what they're saying is just simply to be able to say, tell them back what they said. You know, back to the counseling illustration, well, what does your wife say? I don't know, I wasn't listening. The, the test is, well, she said, I don't listen. Well, okay, now we're getting somewhere. But does that mean that we've entered into understanding? Not so much. You can tell someone exactly what they said and not be in a relationship where there's real communication taking place. Okay, that's, that, that takes listening to another level, which is the level of understanding. So in your text, turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. This is the text that uh, we've chosen this morning for, for the scripture. Jesus says, you've heard that it was said. As I said in the introduction, he's repeating this six different times. You've heard it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say, you've heard it was said that you shall not commit murder. But I say, you've heard that it was said you should give your wife a certificate of divorce if you divorce her. But I say, you've heard that it was said that you shall not uh, retaliate. But I say, and so there's this, you've clearly heard something from God. But I don't think you're understanding what the Lord wants to speak to you. So we need to first of all understand that you can read the Bible you can know what it is saying, or you can listen to someone communicate to you, be able to process the language and the words they are saying, and miss the heart of what they want to communicate to you. 
If you're in a relationship with someone, you understand that that happens all the time. And that's where a lot of conflict begins is, is a breakdown in communication, a failure to understand what is being said. So in this case, let's take a look at what is being said. What did God say? You've heard it was said. So they have a perception of what God meant. Let's go back to Leviticus chapter 19. Leviticus chapter 19. This is after they've gone out of the, uh, uh, through the Exodus. They've left Egypt and they have been wandering for the last 40 years in the wilderness and they're about ready to move on into, into Canaan and take possession of the promised land. So here we're picking up in Leviticus chapter 19. Verse 17 and 18. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself, I am the Lord. So that's what they heard. That's what God said. Now there's, there's a lot there. And basically, as you're listening to those words, you can perceive that God doesn't want you to bear grudges against your brother. He doesn't want you to hate your neighbor in your heart. He wants you to love your neighbor as yourself. So that's what God said. That's what God said. Now, what did they hear? What did they understand? What did they, what did they take from that and move forward? What they understood is, check. I'm not supposed to hate my brother. I'm supposed to love my neighbor but I'm supposed to hate my enemy. How do, you, how do you get that out of that? Well, there's other things which are happening historically. At the same time, they're about ready to move into Canaan where they're to execute God's judgment against a very wicked people, in which case they're going to go to war. So what they did was they just kept that whole mentality that whoever is not us, they're our enemies. But whoever is us, our brothers, we're to love them, but we're to hate our enemies. Now, there's nowhere that that was explicitly said, but that's what they understood. So there's a disconnect in what is being said and what is being heard. And the Bible is full, literally full of examples of God saying something and the people that are listening taking away something totally different. You, you could just go through it. It's, it's, and, and, and your life is filled of instances where you said something and someone heard you say or they took something else totally different away from what, from what you intended to, to be understood as saying. So this is not an uncommon thing. So how does this work? An exercise in understanding. I want you to imagine the following scenario. Okay? So what is the meaning of the following phrase? What does a wife mean when she says to her husband, or what does a mom mean when she says to her teenage son, honey, the trash is full. You get one or two choices. Number one, she wants him to know the trash is full. She wants him to recognize the ontological reality that the, the trash is actually full of trash. Look, behold, the trash, it is full. I want you to recognize this ontological truth with me. How many of you vote for option A? You're, you're on track. You know exactly. Or the second option is she just wants him to take out the trash. Okay, of course it's the second one. Of course it's the second one. So 
Clearly, people can say things, but there is an underlying meaning. So the the goal here, the goal of listening is to understand not just what the person said or what the Bible says, but understand the heart of the person speaking. What's their heart? What do they want? What do they desire? What they desire. Now, Now, I will say this, just a disclaimer. It is fair in a context where two people or multiple people are communicating, it's, it's fair to ask the person who is speaking to, to be clear about their expectations so it's not a guessing game. How many of you, that frustrates you when someone expects you to understand them and they haven't articulated what they want? Any, any conflicts arise out of that scenario? It happens all the time. So as a general rule, as a general rule, If you want something specific, communicate specifically what it is you want. Don't leave people guessing. As a general rule. But there are many, many, many instances where that's not, not reasonable. Number one. Number one. The person who has the desire doesn't know what they want. Or they don't know how to communicate what they want. Case in point, moms... And dads, you're, you have a little one. This little one does not have the ability to speak. They're squawking, they're screaming, they're crying, and you can't figure out what it is that they actually want. Do they need a diaper change? Are they hungry? Do they need a nap? What's going on? How many, that's a frustrating reality. I remember when Ryan, my son, he's 30, oh, he'll be 31 next week, was first born. And I'm, I came home from a speaking event and my wife says, here. And so I take him and I'm, he was colicky and I'm trying to get him his bottle. I'm giving him his binky. I can't figure out what it is that he needs. And I just, after about an hour of this, I just take the bottle and I just chuck it across the wall, which solved everyone's problems. <laughs> Everything was better after that. And I just was frustrated. And my wife comes out, she says, what happened? Nothing. I couldn't figure out what he wanted. He didn't, he can't communicate. He's he's not saying, you know, I'm colicky. My stomach hurts. He's just screaming and crying. So, and, and you say, well, he's a baby. That's also true for adults as well. Sometimes people don't know what they want or they don't know how to articulate what they want. And so, to, to seek to understand means that we go beyond simply what is being said to, to, to probe the heart. So we ask questions. And you exercise patience. That's what love does. It seeks the good of, of the person we're trying to love. It seeks the good of those that we're trying to love. Love seeks to go beyond what is being said to seek to know the speaker's heart. You know, there's another instance where it's not realistic to expect the person to articulate specifically what they want. And let me just give you an illustration. So let's just say I go home this afternoon and I pull out my phone and I eat lunch and then I sit down with, with Stace and, and I'm just sitting on the couch and just this. And she's like, what you doing? It's like, I'm just looking at the news. Half an hour later, she says, what are you doing? Just playing solitaire. Three hours later. What you doing? I'm looking at Facebook. Why do you keep asking me what I'm doing? What do you want? I just want to talk. Well, why didn't you just clearly communicate? I want to talk. What would you like to talk about? Now, ladies, how many of you at that moment... 
there's not going to be communication (laughs) right then and there. Anyone? Okay, at that moment, when, when someone wants you to want what they want, they don't want to tell you, I want you to want what I want. They just want you to want what they want because that clearly communicates, I love you. And if you don't want what they want, they know you don't want what you want. <laughs> See, and, and how many of you understood what I just communicated just now? So clearly this is not simply about verbal communication. When God wants us to desire his will, it's like this morning, right now, as I'm preaching, God is not telling me, say this, say this, say this, say this. God doesn't say, left foot, right foot, left foot. He doesn't do that. He allows us to choose he allows us to choose and he gives us his, his principles. He gives us his desires and he wants us to want what he wants. And so therefore he doesn't tell us now speak, say these words. Now do this. Now do that. He's like, I kind of want you to just ask me, Brooks, what do you, what do you want my heart to be? And I want you to, I want you to figure it out. Now there are times I'm going to intervene and say, do this. But that's what love looks like. And it's unrealistic to expect God or the people that are close to us to say, I specifically want this and I want it at this moment. That makes relationships really weird. That's not how reality works. So there, and and we know that intuitively. I don't really need to tell you that. It's like, oh yeah, I guess that's true. That's just something that, I was about ready to advance the slide with my phone, but that's not... (laughs) It's not the way it works. Figure out what I did with the clicker here. Here we go. So uh, that's, and, and a test of understanding is, can I identify um, what their heart's desire is? What do they want? What do they want? So that's an exercise in understanding. Then that moves on into response, demonstrating understanding. So did I hear what was said? Did I perceive what was meant by what was said? And now, what am I going to do with it? That's, that's where, now you know whether you've truly understood. So Jesus says, whoever has my commands, that is, what I said, and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So Jesus is saying, listen, if you love me, you're going to do what I say. So that's the demonstration. James puts it this way. And we're going to study James this summer. Don't be merely hearers of the word, but be doers as well. In other words, if you hear it and you understand it, you will do it. How many of you believe that statistically seat belts, if you wear them when you drive, reduces, reduces your, your, the, the level of injury or the possibility of a fatality if you get into a crash? How many of you believe that? Now, here's what I'm not going to ask you. How many of you who just raised your hands don't wear seatbelts? Some of you would raise your hands. And if I asked you, you'd probably say something like this. It wrinkles my shirt. I don't like the way it wrinkles my clothes. You clearly have not understood. You don't believe that. It demonstrates that you really don't believe that. Because literally, you value the... Your, the, the, the texture of your shirt more than you do your own, own life. Right? So, so that's, 
Understanding, if we really understand and believe, it leads to action. It leads to doing. It leads to a demonstration of, of this. So taking, taking it back, back a step to the, the counseling situation. Do you love your wife? Well, of course I do. Well, then tell me what she just said. She said that I don't listen. Well, how would you respond to that? Honestly, I don't know that I do. I mean, I hear what she's saying. I can tell you what she wants. I just don't know how to, I don't know how to love her. I don't know how to communicate it. I'm frustrated. I want to demonstrate, but I, I lack the ability. I don't know what's, I don't know. I can't explain it. I just, I want to be who I'm not. And I'm just, I'm just not very good at it. Now, does, is, is, that, is that husband hearing her? What do you think? Yes. Does he understand? Yes. But he longs to do this, but he recognizes he's falling short. We're making progress. We're making progress, right? So if, I'm not, don't you have to raise your hand, but how many of you, f- you feel that that's, that's you in the counseling seat? You know, I know I ought to be a better person. I know I ought to be a better husband. I know I ought to be a better mom. I know I ought to be a better friend. I know I ought to be a better roommate. I know I ought to be a better, uh, better student. I know that I ought to be a better Christian. I know what I ought, but I just, you know, I just, I fail. And it frustrates me. It frustrates me. Anybody ever been there? Okay, this is where you really need to listen. The most important thing that you and I need to hear is the gospel. Because as we're looking at this whole idea of that we're called to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and to love our neighbor as ourselves, when you hear that, well, first of all, does God want that? Yes. Now, how many of us live up to that? Nobody lives up to that. So therein lies the danger. Now what? I could tell you, well, here's what you need to do, and then here's what will happen. If I tell you simply, here's what you do, you'll just find a, a, a whole list of other things you're, you're going to fail to do. Right? Right? So what do you need to hear most? You need to hear this. You need to hear that God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. In summary, the gospel is this. None of us love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And none of, our, none of us love our neighbors as ourselves. We're prone to keep grudges. We're prone to shut people out and hear only what we want to hear because we're selfish and it benefits us. And then here's a bunch of things you can do to become a better person. And even if we accomplish that, we simply become better at being better than everyone else. And then we're proud of our betterness. It, it, we just, there's sin. I mean, it's, it's just who we are. It's what, so it, that sin has separated us from God and it causes relational strife in our own families and our own communities and certainly in the world. And what we need to hear most is that God knows that. And that's why Christ came, and that's why he took your sin, and that's why he went to the cross, and that's why he was buried, and that's why he conquered sin and death and rose from the grave on the third day. And that's why he gives himself to you, and he gives himself to me, and he gives himself to us, regardless of the extent that you have, have ruined your life or even ruined the lives of other people. 
It doesn't matter. Christ has taken all of that upon himself and he's given us, those in Christ, his Holy Spirit, his forgiveness, his righteousness. That's the gospel. And that's the starting point. That's the starting point at what it means to follow Christ. And I need to hear that and so do you. Some of you haven't begun to follow Christ. He invites you. Lay down your arms. Stop running and receive my love. Receive my forgiveness. Some of you are like, I did that 30 years ago. Or that was the early 80s when I came to Christ. Or that was 1962 or whatever. So I already have the gospel. The gospel is not just the beginning of our walk with Christ. It's not just the ABCs of Christianity. It's the A to Z and everything in between. I've been following Jesus since 1988. Do you know what I hear, need to hear more than anything else? I need to hear that God loves me and gave me his son. I need to hear that. I need to hear that every day. There's never a time that I don't need to hear that. But I forget that. Paul Tripp describes it this way. He says, we have our confessional theology and we have our functional theology. Confessional theology is what we intellectually assent to understand in the Bible. So my confessional theology, who I am in Christ, I am forgiven in Christ. I am righteous in Christ. My self-worth is not based upon my performance as a pastor. It's not based upon my performance as a husband. It's not based upon my performance as a father, a friend, a neighbor. It's, it's not based upon any of those things. My identity is in Jesus Christ and his righteousness. So when, I, when the father looks at me, he sees the righteousness of his son and he sees someone who is truly, dearly loved and cherished. That's my, that's my confessional theology. That's what I confess to you. It's what I teach, right? But do I believe that all the time? What do you think? Evidently not. See, I also have this, this other theology. It's called my functional theology. You see, God's voice is not the only voice speaking. It's not the only voice I hear. One of my goals when I went on sabbatical was to, to get away from teaching so I was not always opening the Bible and thinking, what do I need to say to other people? But rather, I wanted to be in a, in a position where I could get away and I could open the Bible and say to the Lord, Lord, what do I need to hear regardless of what anybody else needs to hear? So I needed to actually get away, get away. No phone, no computer, literally run and hide from all of you, from everyone except my wife, and just say to the Lord, Lord, what do I need to hear? Because when... I have this persona that comes across as really confident, right? But then there's, there's, there's me, the, the functional theology. The functional theology. And so I'm away on this sabbatical and I'm thinking about the, my call to, to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength and love my neighbor as myself. And that includes all of you. And I think about all of the ways I haven't done that. And I look back over the last 25 years and I think about all the families that got mad at me or got mad at the church or got mad at one another and they left. And I, and, and I think about all the, 
the dumb things that I said in a sermon or the things that I said in this situation and I wish I would have said it this way and why did we make, why did I make that decision? That was a dumb decision. And then I would, look, why did we make that decision? That was a stupid decision. And, and how many of you have actually seen me or heard me say this in the middle of a sermon? Idiot! Anybody, is that, is that a new thing for you? No, I do, that all the, I do that a lot. I get angry with myself. When I think about failure, I, I tense up, I start, to, I start to grip my teeth, and I say, idiot! And, and I make babies cry, and then they have to... So that's a normal thing, right? That's a normal thing. That's the voice I hear. That's the voice I hear. And I start to... There's all this, this dark self-loathing. Why can't I be a better... Why can't I be a better husband? Why can't I be... And I think about all of my failure. And it gets very dark. And what I find is that my functional, my functional theology is really... I derive my worth from performance. It turns out that if I'm really honest with myself and with everybody else, I derive my worth based upon what everyone else thinks about what I do. That was true when I was an athlete and nothing's changed functionally on a bad day. How many of you have a tendency to beat yourself up when you fail? You hear that voice, idiot. You're never going to be able to do this. You'll never do this right. You'll always find a way to screw this up. So that's what I'm hearing on sabbatical. I'm like, Lord, I know this is not your voice. What do you want me to hear from you? Now, some of you are thinking, this is really sad. He's been teaching the Bible for 25 years and he still doesn't understand. I understand. I just don't always believe it. So I asked the Lord, what do you want me to hear? I need to hear your voice. So what did I hear? I heard John 15. 15. Literally, the Holy Spirit brought this verse to my mind. It just popped into my head. I asked, he spoke. This is my commandment, that you have love for one another as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You're my friends if... If you do what I command you. Verse 15 is the verse that hit me like a velvet hammer. Just floored me, but not in a hard way. No longer do I call you a servant, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I call you friends. For all that I have heard from my... Did you hear that? All that I heard from my father, I've made it known to you. Here's what I heard, not in an audible voice, but here was the takeaway that I was sitting and I wrote it down in my journal. Brooks, I don't need you as my servant, but I do desire you as my friend. You don't have to perform for me. I actually desire you to come alongside me and just be with me regardless of how raw you are, your stupid decisions, the things you regret. I know all of that. I took all that to the cross. 
I just want you to receive from me love that you can't earn. Can you receive that? Are you hearing me, Brooks? For today. And for right now, I'm, I don't feel like an idiot. Some of you are like, nothing's changed. <laughs> You're right, and that's the point. Nothing's changed in one sense, but everything's changed in the only sense that matters. I know who I am in Christ. And what I need to hear is that I don't need to perform. Some of you, whenever you're like me, you beat yourself up a lot. Some of you, whenever you hear sermons and says, here's what you need to do, you automatically put yourself under a one more thing that I got to do so God will love me. And you get frustrated and you feel worse than you came when you... That's not, that's not what I want you to hear. The one thing you need to hear is Jesus doesn't need you to do one more thing, but he wants you to be his friend. You say, well, what do I need to do to make him his... You're not hearing. You don't do anything. You receive everything. Yes, as his friend, am I his servant? What do you think? Of course. Am I going to stop preaching? No, I'm going to still preach. But please understand that when God looks at you, if you're in Christ, he sees someone that he truly desires to spend time with because he's your friend. Not because of what you can or cannot do for him or anyone else. You're valued for who you are in Christ. The most important thing that you and I need to hear today is that he loves us that he shed his blood for us. So as we close this morning, I want to invite you, if you desire to receive Christ this morning, or you want to just have someone pray for you, want to encourage you, you can come forward and just up here on my left, your right, and uh, I or someone else will we'll just pray with you after the service. And we can do that in a moment after, after I pray and give you a short, short announcement collectively and dismiss you. So let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you that we don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops. Um, Lord, it's not a scripture memorization contest, a Bible reading contest, a prayer contest, but it is a relationship. Lord, teach us to walk in that relationship. Receiving your love and your grace truly is redeemed friends who can't earn anything but have everything to gain by receiving all of your love for us. Help us to believe who we are in Christ. And for those who don't yet know you, I pray that today they would call out to you, that they would speak. And Lord, you always listen. I pray that they're, they're, they're crying out to you would just be, Lord, make me your son, make me your daughter. Help me to believe. Help me to trust. And Lord, help us to love well, not so we can earn a place with you or uh, feel good about ourselves, but just so that we can enjoy your friendship, enjoy your love. We pray this in Jesus' name.